Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Tom, and I make a podcast where I log in to celebrities' Amazon accounts. It's called... What a brilliant idea for a pod. There's no original pods out there anymore, but this genuinely is. Oh, thanks, Ben Bailey-Smith. Anyway, it's called... This is good, isn't it? It's clever, this podcast. You should do more. Thanks, Kerry Godleyman. It's called... This is such a great idea, by the way. What great podcast. Shappi Corsander, you're too kind. The podcast is but called... It's biographical. You can get all sorts of information out of people. This is a very good idea. Thank you, Nick Helm. It's called My Mate Bought a Toaster. I'm going to listen to this podcast. Thanks, Alex Horn. Can you tell your friends? The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. This will certainly have an adult theme and might well contain strong scenes of sex or violence, which could be quite graphic. It may also contain some very explicit language, which will frequently mean sexual swear words. What do you like listening to? Um... <laughs> Chart music. Chart music. It's Friday evening. It's about 40 minutes to 8. It's July the 25th, 2003, and it's all going off on the telly. Sunita has told Dev to fuck off and is moving out of the flat. Archie Shuttleworth has proposed to Audrey Roberts. And Fizz Brown has called Tracy Barlow a massive slag in the Rover's return for convincing Roy Cropper that he'd shagged her and is about to give her an absolute panning. Oh, and Top of the Pops is on the other side. Hey up, you pop-crazed youngsters, and welcome to the denouement of episode 61 of Chart Music. I'm Al Needham, they're Simon Price and Sarah B, and we're going right in. There's sublime, super furry animals there. Do you reckon they could start a trend? No, maybe not. Okay, next up, a club anthem that's been filling up the dance floors all over the place. Created by an Italian record producer, this tune has made the hard hat the essential fashion accessory of this summer. Don't know about the rest of the outfit, but maybe I could try one on for size and next week's show. With vocals from the biz, this is Benny Benassi. Bonnie, holding aloft one of the orangutan's wigs, walks in front of the kids who we actually see for the first time. They look pretty rubbish, all combat trousers and band t-shirts. She says something I couldn't quite catch, then picks up a Bob the Builder helmet as she introduces a club anthem from Hitler that's been filling up the dance floors across the country. Satisfaction by Benny Benassi featuring The Biz. 
Born in Reggio Emilia, Italy in 1967, Marco Bonassi started DJing with his cousin in the late 80s before moving into production in the 90s, working with post-Saturday Night Wigfield and assorted Italio dance acts. In 2001, he started putting out singles under the name of KMC, gaining moderate club success, and when he put this out under his own name in the summer of 2002, it got to number 8 in May of this year. But when he was put out again by the Ministry of Sand, with a new video featuring assorted lad mag models being all erotic with power tools, which got extensive play on music video stations, it soared into the chart this week, straight in at number two. And here, on the top of the pop stage, is an attempt to recreate the video in a health and safety pre-watershed style and fashion. Um, This is well fucking men and motors, isn't it? (laughs) Or or tits and tyres, as we used to call it back in the day. (sighs) Fucking hell. I I, I mean, as... Uh, what to say about this? I mean, as as this podcast token woman, I I feel I should go first on this. And and you know, yes, to, to be yeah. to be serious, and you know, to uh, this this is fucking hilarious. I mean, it's mm. it's not actually it's not funny. It's it's not really sexy. It's not anything. The track itself. Let us let's get that out of the way. Yeah, the track itself is not a very good dance track. Basically, what it's no. for. We're now in the era this is peak super club that we're at now yes um and this record has been produced for super clubs it's everything has been cranked up Mm. and you know there's kind of nothing wrong with the sound palette itself it's just that it's been given the the oral equivalent of a very big boob job yes to make it sound big rather it doesn't matter how good it is it just sounds big yes and it's kind of borrowing from a, a, a sort of a lineage of of dirtiness Yes. Um, and the sort of throbbing gristle kind of style, mm. and I think it's it's meant to evoke a sort of Pavlovian dribble response. Yes, um, but it's just got the production values of like flabby stadium rock, you know. It's essentially two speak and spell machines having phone sex, isn't it? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> or the robot bar staff that Cynthia's having a workplace liaison. Yes, why didn't they work that into the video? Oh my god, yeah. Would have brought a few punters into my club as well. Yeah, the general would have uh, approved. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be slapping his ass with or somebody else's with, with glue. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that's that's actually uh, this was Apple's um, voice synthesis program, Macintosh. Oh, right. Benny Benassi was very fond of it. Um, he used it all the time. Uh, it's mm. also appears on Fitter Happier by Radiohead. Flaming Lips used it on uh, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robot. So you know, lots oh, of yeah. Aphex Twin used it a lot. Outcast, Marilyn Manson. Yeah. It's also the voice of the autopilot in Wally, which is nice. Ooh. And I don't know if anyone's seen uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines, which is extremely funny. That's uh, that's the robot vacuum cleaners in that. So it's it's you know it's standard. It's right. it's very sort of shorthand for robot voice. And the weird thing about mm. this is mm. that it's robotic without being futurist at all. Mm. It's sort of deliberately dead-eyed and flat, but yeah. not in that sexy way not in that kind of shiny yeah. way yeah it's, it's music non-stop by Kraftwerk, but shit but bad yeah it's yeah, yeah it, it's not a good track the thing is that if you want this sort of sound but good then you want kerncraft 400 zombie nation did this much better in 1999 
Right. Just had a lot more going on with it. Just interesting little details and much more sort of punch and more ideas. Yeah. And I don't know if you could really dance to that either, but this is for like girls to pose to and, you know, recreate the fucking video and men to punch the air and look at the girls. Yeah. And also um, a silver screen shower scene by Felix de Housecat. That was 2001. Right. That's how you do this. Right. Anyway, so the tits. Um, <laughs> yes, to the tits. Some of the models in the video were doing an encore, as there obviously wasn't a Sunday Sport Roadshow event on that night. And Benny hides behind a newspaper as he tries to whip up some mystique about himself. But when he puts the paper down to reveal himself, the camera's too busy zooming in on the arses, and we, we never really see him again. So that's him out of the way. Is that actually him? Or is that the biz? Yes. Who is the is no, there even the, is that is the biz a sort of gestalt entity of, of the bloke and the woman who basically have the same voice but different? Yeah, the biz are the man and woman, the latter of which looks well fucking Sarah Palin, which was oh, God. very disconcerting. <laughs> <laughs> They're the singers he calls in every now and again. We and they really fuck me off because, you know, if, if you're talking about the biz, there's only one the biz, the late and the great biz market. Oh yeah. So they can fuck off. <laughs> So that's them dealt with. So yeah, to the arses, everyone. Fucking, I mean, it is insane seeing that, like, doesn't this give you whiplash seeing this on Top of the Pops? I mean, is mm. this the, the, the kind of latter-day Top of the Pops equivalent of Daddisfaction? Oh, yeah. Daddisfaction. Daddisfaction. <laughs> well <said. laughs> yeah. It's Laddisfaction, isn't it? It is faction. I mean, yeah. as we all know, whenever there's a discussion about pans people and legs and co, people, including ourselves from time to time, always say that, oh, dance troops on top of the pops, they, they just wouldn't fly any time since the mid-80s. But, you know, as soon as the dance acts came in in the late 80s, and especially during this time, you know, who do they almost always get in? A dance troupe. Yeah. I mean, we're going to see three of them on this episode. So you, you just wonder, why didn't they bring back a dance troupe for Top of the Pops? Does this count as dance? This is dance in the broadest, oiliest sense of the term, isn't it? Yes. These are models who have been doused in oil and mm. put in some pants and given a tool belt a piece. Yes. <laughs> Basted the st- is the word, isn't it, Sarah? They have been thoroughly <laughs> based and they are oven-ready women. And <laughs> it's... <laughs> And and there's a uh, bit, you can't really count it as dancing. They do the, in the one sort of bit that counts as, this very monotonous track, yeah. this. And the one bit of sort of, that that's meant to be like a, a, a drop is like, it, it sort of double, t- it goes double time. And so yeah. it's like, and then they, yeah. they yeah. do a little, yeah. they, they sort of pretend to be drilling and everyone goes, all right. I mean, they're yeah. at fucking hell. You don't really see the crowd again, but it's like there are yeah, young men in God. that crowd baying like hounds Mm. it's a bit queasy isn't it it's not the yellow hurl era but there are balloons in that audience just just in their trousers balloons on the stage as well mate oh god (laughs) i'm sorry but it it reduces you in very you can just feel your brain kind of reducing down in some ways yeah you kind of can't blame them if there's men hooting at this that's the reaction that was meant to be elicited but it is you can see that the camera is a little bit there's a bit of hesitation there it's sort of a horny catholic in a strip club camera sort of looking and then looking away and looking and looking away yeah. oh no oh please forgive me please forgive me <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah the camera made its excuses yes. and left yeah this shit's still going on isn't it i mean as a former smut peddler <laughs> i could see this coming a mile off all this bollocks after i finished my shift at the wank factory and i was waiting for me train to get back home i'd always nip into wh smith and 
have a look at the uh, top shelf. Yeah. I just wanted to know who was buying the fucking shit I was helping to pump out. And you'd see Mr. Suit come in, and his eyes would go right across the top shelf at Razzle and Escort and Mayfair and Penthouse. But then he'd see a couple of shelves down, Maxim's got a 16-page laundry special, and he'd always buy that. Yeah, yeah. That was the beginning of the end for, for wank mags in this country because nobody ever went broke underestimating the sexual cowardice of British men. <laughs> That's the sort of alka-pops of... of uh... Coward porn. You know what you want and you've settled for that. Mm-hmm. And by this point, it was it was embedded in the, in the British male psyche. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird sort of thing, isn't it, when you see this, which is European. You know, this is Italian, so you have to... Mm take off a few points of, of you know, of, of, of outrage for, like, European sex standards, you know. He'd have done this on the Italian version of Cracker Jack and no one would have batted <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cracker Jack It doesn't have enough. It thinks it's got a sort of tongue-in-cheek sort of humour yeah. about it, you know. But I don't think it, like, it wouldn't get on Eurotrash. It's almost too slick and, again, too too oily to get on Eurotrash. Mm. But you can just imagine Antoine de Caen just kind of going, you know, they're thrilling, they're willing, and they've come here to do some drilling <laughs> but eh, not quite you know i think they probably would have turned it down for not quite being silly enough see when i saw this on the list i wondered how the hell they were going to make it work on mm. cowie's top of the pops because he's anti-video yeah. you know and, and let's face it if ever a song was all about the video it's you know it's satisfaction by benny benassi but they basically yes. get around it by completely recreating the video like it's a school play in sunderland basically so so, so i'm sure he approved he probably loved it on that on that basis yeah they 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 kind of like rub the fannies against some brooms and (laughs) they they, they've got chainsaws and stuff there but they just hold them up near the end don't turn them on of course it's all a bit hills angels that's what i thought yes massively so it's not it's not so much pans people or legs and co it is hills angels it's that kind of comedy aspect to it benny hill banassi yes because you've got the vocalist ones are dressed as the building site foreman and forewoman, yes. so they get yes. to wear clothes. But yes. yeah, the, the, the rest <laughs> of them, <laughs> the rest of them are the basted sexy ladies from the videos in their yes. hot pants and bikinis and high vis and their hard hats and boots and they're wielding the power tools. And yes, the broomsticks for fuck's sake. Yeah. And um, there's a moment where some extreme arse shaking happens as if they're yes. as if they're preempting the number one record. Bit of a, um, which is which is cheeky, literally. Um, no. So it's it's ah, quite... but not though. But there is a crucial difference which I will which I will ah. get to. Good. It is, you're right. It's quite a throwback to see a dance-based performance like this on a more modern TOTP. It is yeah. like Flick Colby never retired. No. But yeah, you're right that when, when dance records happen, what else are you going to do? And it, this does tend yeah. to be the way. Maybe not as extremely sexualized as this one, but but still. I've got a lot more time for the record than you two. Mm. And what it comes down to, I, I think the thing that... Uh, Sarah said that chimed most with me was comparing it to Felix the House Cat because mm. this song is arguably Electro Clash's biggest hit because right. it has a lot of Electro Clash tropes that pounding beat it doesn't have any funk to it it's just doof doof 
And it's that cold, dispassionate vocal put through that robotic voice synthesizer, you know, the Macintalk, that you compare to two speaking spell machines having phone sex. Um, Yeah, the the female vocal is very Flying Lizards or Miss Kitten. Yes. And the two vocalists even have a robotic way of moving. So for me, as, you know, I was very much an electroclash aficionado at the time, this isn't a million miles from Fisher Spooner or Adult to one of those groups. Mm. But it is all about the visuals, this... The song that you, you can't separate the song from the visuals in, in this case. No. The whole package is shameless sexploitation. But yeah. for me, it's a fucking solid platinum banger, and I'm, I'm surprised that, that you guys don't like it. No. You say it's dead eyed and flat. Yeah, it is, and that's kind of what I like about it because I, oh, right. I was I was into that <laughs> yeah, kind no, of thing. It just it just doesn't do it. Yeah, I love this sort of thing. I just don't love this. I guess yeah. maybe it's because I'm a humorless bin. I don't know, but it is like so inextricable from the video. Oh. You know. I, I went and watched the video and it is fucking outrageous and and like I said it's funny without being humorous you know but mm. it's like you know because all the, the the names of the equipment like flash up on the screen and it's yeah. like orbital sander minimal dust opera and then it's, it's like there's a bit about it minimal dust operation with disposable bag and part of my brain just goes is that what we are to you is yeah. it disposable bags is it but it, it's there is a whole there's a whole kind of subgenre of of this type of electro house dance around this time uh, which kind of lasted for a good couple of years where the mm. videos were made so that when you heard the music it would evoke the video Yes. So it's almost like the music was almost secondary to its video because yeah. and that's what it's supposed to do to your brain. And it, mm. it usually meant sexy women in their smalls doing sex things in absurd yeah. circumstances. Like mm. often it would be really sort of pedestrian summer nightclub chum music but with, you know, yeah. a video that had women in their pants like in an office or a laboratory <laughs> or a gym. <laughs> Or uh, notably in a white void pretending to be a marching band. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? Um, That was, do you remember this was Alex Goldino Destination Calabria, which had the Crystal Waters sample, which is actually quite a banger. This is like 2005, this is way in the future. Mm. And it's it's hysterical. The absolute topmost of this was um, Perfect Tuxedo by Mason featuring Princess Superstar. Banger. It's absolutely amazing. Um, video has three women, but it really sends up that whole thing mm. and just put, uh, puts a lid on it, puts an end to it. Right. And the video has three women like made up to such a grotesque degree with like three sets of eyelashes each. And they're like <laughs> bouncing on gym balls and spanking each other. And, and it's great. But I think credit is due to Benny Benassi for like bringing Electro House kind of into the mainstream mm. and paving the way for stuff like Justice and Digitalism, who mm. I love very much. So, you know, fair enough. It's just that it doesn't hit the spot for me. Yeah. I mean, the video just reminds me of when I used to work in a factory in Ucknall in 1990. And one bloke on the bench next to me, he had a calendar that had been handed out by a local engineering firm. And it featured models trying to be erotic with lathes. (laughs) And I remember him pointing at that month's picture, which was some woman squatting by a lathe with her undercarriage out and licking the starting knob and just saying... Oh, all local lasses there, mint it grand. That's what I got from from that video. And this performance. I can confirm, by the way, that you can dance to Kuncraft 400 by Zombie Nation uh, because it's a Wales thing. Do you know about this? No. Basically, um, what happened was in uh, one of Wales's qualifying games for Euro 2016, which Welsh people never go on about, the, the, the away fans were kind of kettled in the stadium in Belgium. Um, you know, that they were doing that thing of sending the home supporters 
uh, out of the stadium first yeah. um, so that they don't end up mixing on the streets and kicking off or anything like that. So the, yeah. so the Wales fans are just locked there in the stadium with nothing to do. And over the tannoy, um, the, the DJ in the stadium played Kerncraft 400 and everyone just started singing along. And there was like a massive disco in the stands. And that just became a Wales thing then. That, uh, all Wales games, particularly away games, um, that just happens. Like just like when those kind of let's all have a disco moments. And that's mm. one of my main memories of following Wales away. In, particularly in France in, in 2016. The other thing I was going to say about this song is it's it's well man-to-man featuring Man Parish. Yes. Um, and that got me wondering, um, Al, have you ever stripped to this song or was it the wrong era? Oh. It was the wrong era and I wouldn't uh. anyway on principle. <laughs> I did wonder if, because uh, they've got one of those little, uh, I don't know what they're called, uh, the little polyester stripy road hut Yes. on the stage they've done the set out as if it's a uh, you know roadworks <laughs> spared no expense no <laughs> just nipped out and, and kind of uh, plundered a, a, a roadworks you know mm. if they'd had any balls they would have had somebody hidden in there yeah like Benny Benassi himself where you know burst out at the end yeah. wearing nothing but some strategically smeared road grease yes and maybe nothing but a hard hat between himself and an urgent parliamentary session on the future of the BBC <laughs> <laughs> I did appreciate the triangular road sign behind them did you notice that it's like no. uh, yeah it's it's a bridge with two humps i see what oh, they did there of course it is fucking hell it's like tits yes <laughs> and asses and asses yeah. as well oh god it's a feast of oh. but i it did occur to me as well that it does indicate how far we've come in terms of you know beauty standards because while there are still enclaves of this like this the look of of, of these lad mag models is not too far removed from what you now get which is women who kind of take an instagram filtered shot and take mm. it into a plastic surgeon and go that mm. made me look like that mm. yeah it's not that it's a kind of the classic thing with big lips and cat eyes and tiny noses and yeah. you know big tits but you know we there's also like every other type of body and figure and everything now so you know it's there's been some progress this yeah. is not like the only thing that you're allowed to dribble over yeah. And what a shame that Benny Benassi didn't put up a follow-up single, which was a cover version of the Bird's Eye Steakhouse advert. Hope it's chips, it's chips. <laughs> that would have been something. Um, I have one more thing to say about this, which is... Say it. Apart from on the YouTube comments, one of the, somebody said, watching this video as a kid felt like a crime, which seems... <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, the, one, the, the last thing is, have, do you know of... The Satisfaction Challenge of 2018. No. Well, uh, 2017, so this was kind of pre-TikTok, some Russian mm. cadets at the Ulyanov oh, yes. Institute yes. of Civil Aviation filmed a parody video of themselves in their yes. pants yes. doing yeah. maintenance tasks. <laughs> um, well, I, I say their pants. Stuffed pants, army hats, leather belts and big boots. And they are ironing, twerking, mopping and eating bananas. It's the yes. gayest, most subversive yeah, thing ever. Really it's amazing. And it's amazing. And obviously the Institute was quite upset about this and, yeah. and read them for filth and threatened to expel them. Yeah. Men of Russian military must not twerk. Yes. <laughs> and, and it caused a massive upset. And there were headlines like row over cavorting Russian air cadets. <laughs> oh, those And Russians. then loads of other people, oh, those Russians, loads of other people made their own videos yes. in solidarity. Yes. As in, like some pensioners in Petersburg yeah. and Ukrainian swimmers, welders and stuff. It was awesome. Yeah. So if nothing else, that's Benny Benassi's contribution. Yeah to our times is is that yeah there was a piece in the new yorker arguing that the parody video 
was a show of solidarity with oppressed LGBTQ people in Russia. <laughs> and certainly, you know, the Russian establishment were, as you say, furious about it. So I guess they read the signs. And, you know, what a brilliant thing to do. I think we've got to put that on the video playlist. Oh, yes. I did wonder if this, yeah. uh, not, not this performance, the video, the iconic video, I did wonder if there was any sort of a nod in there to uh, Quentin Tarantino's Chicks Who Love Guns bit. Yeah. Oh. Do you remember that? From yeah. uh, Jackie Brown. It's quite early on yes. in Jackie Brown where um, Samuel L. Jackson is, is uh, showing off to Robert De Niro about how about his gun knowledge through the medium of a, a like a video that he's got of some, <laughs> some girls in bikinis like firing guns. And um, <laughs> you only see a tiny bit of it in, in the film, yeah. but they, they mm. spent, you know, a day making a, a short that is in there and it, it's really funny it like it goes on for so for so long yeah. and it's really uncomfortable because it's like oh christ and then it's funny and then it isn't funny anymore and then it's funny again <laughs> and i don't think that maybe if benny Benassi had just maybe if they just fixed on the one woman with the one implement and just gone mm. all the way yeah. through that would That'd have be been funny. brilliant, actually. I wonder what David thinks about this video, because, you know, it is Einstein Norbarton, isn't it? <laughs> with, with more attractive people doing it. Einstein and Norks Barton. Oh, very good. It's TNA at B&Q. <laughs> so the following week, Satisfaction dropped two places to number four, but would spend five weeks in the top 20. A massive accomplishment by 2003. The follow-up, No Matter What You Do, only got to number 40 in February of 2004, but he would have a chart renaissance in 2011 when he collaborated with Chris Brown on Beautiful People, which got to number four for two weeks in May of that year, and Cinema with Gary Go, which got to number 20 in August of that year. Meanwhile, the video developed a life of its own when it was parodied by some middle-aged blokes in Denmark, some grannies in Belgium to demonstrate against gender pay equality, some squaddies in Britain, and yes, most famously in Russia a few years after that, with the Russian Air Cadet Dormitory, which was, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to All Rather Mysterious, the podcast that aims to unlock the mysteries of the past with the key of fact. My name is John Rain, 
My name is Eleanor Morton. My name is David Reed. Please join us as we present to you mysteries that have baffled the world. You had any noises? What about um, a door creaking? Uh, you, don't, uh, you don't have to do this. That weird kadook that yeah, lights well, going off makes for some reason in films. <laughs> All rather mysterious. protective clothing there. A big thanks to Benny Benassi and The Biz. Now a young group who are taking on the mantle of Liverpool's best band. Now we've seen many Merseyside legends come and go, but these guys are carrying on their city's musical tradition. The new heroes of the wild northwest. This is The Coral. Cotton turning away from a strip of monitors on the back of the main stage while the piano player for the next act stares on blankly while chewing gum tells us that loads of bands from Merseyside have come and gone and here's one more The Coral with Pass It On Formed in Hoylake in 1996, Hive started out as a school band who changed their name to The Coral when they started playing local gigs A few years later, they ran into Alan Wills, who was intrigued by a gig poster which featured Ian Skelly's grandfather's head exploding and offered to start up a label, which became Delta Sonic, and make them his first signing. They put out their debut single, Shadows Fall, in July of 2001, followed by two EPs, none of which made the charts. But then they teamed up with Ian Brodie for their fourth release, Goodbye, which put them over the top and got them to number 21 in July. And their debut self-titled LP was nominated for the Mercury Prize one day after its release and entered the charts at number 5 in August. This is the follow-up to Don't Think You're the First, which got to number 10 in March of this year. It's the second track from their next LP, Magic and Medicine, which comes out next Monday, and it's slammed into the charts this week at number five. So, chaps, by 2003, we're, you know, supposedly in post-Britpop times, but it's a good time to be a band like The Coral, isn't it, still? Because if a band like this came out in the mid-80s, they'd be happy with a page in Melody Maker and about 20 seconds in the indie section of the chart show. But, you know, a band like this can sell a few records and get straight into the top ten. Yeah, I mean, obviously we've had Oasis and their whole kind of Beatles comparisons, and there's also been things like Cast, who are literally from Liverpool. Mm. Fionn Cotton is plugging them into that heritage. She's yes. introducing them as, as being part of that Scouse tradition, Yeah, I guess. Freddie and the Dreamers, <laughs> Liverpool Express. Yeah, I mean, implicitly back to the Beatles. but Our kid... <laughs> They're actually what's disparagingly known as woollybacks, aren't they, from mm. from the Wirral. Woollybacks yes. meaning people who aren't quite from Liverpool. Plastic scousers is another term. So, yeah, mm. as you say, the coal are from Hoylake on the Wirral. And they're yeah. on the corner, because the Wirral's like a rectangle that sticks out, and it, they're from the corner that's closer to D-side. D-side, there is again. Um, no. As as the crow flies, Hoylake is as close to Wales as it is to Liverpool. Right. And it's, um, it's a moderately posh seaside town. It's got the Royal Liverpool Golf 
course there where the Open has been held and um, Mike Rutherford out of Genesis went to boarding school there um, that's not where the Coral went they went to Hilborough High School where James Bond Daniel Craig and uh, the cyclist Chris Boardman also went fact fans uh-huh. so what I'm saying is it's not it's not the mean streets of Toxteth you know what I mean no so they're definitely woolly backs not scousers as such and it's good to clarify mm. that because you know if, if people say um, somebody from Sunderland is a Geordie you know sure. get very heads up about it so yes half man half biscuit who are from Bergened because um, it's impossible to say that word in any other accent <laughs> wrote a song called rock and roll is full of bad wolves and uh, <laughs> it's about bands who turn up on soccer am um, professing yes. to be into footy and um, but they don't know anything about it and it did cross my mind that it might be about the coral because they have Ooh. been on soccer am a lot um, but it turns out Nigel Blackwell actually wrote it about a band from Southend who've never heard of Roots Hall. So that's more oh. likely to be the horrors or someone like that. Um, mm. By the way, when you Google bad wool, um, you just <laughs> find loads of stuff slagging off UKIP's Paul Nuttall. Paul Nuttall is a bad wool, which really made me <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, it, it got me thinking, who are the good wools? Um, mm. So Half Man Off Biscuit themselves, obviously. Yes. Boo Radley's are from Wallasey. Right. Pete Burns was mm. from Port Sunlight. Paul ah. Heaton's from Bromborough. OMD are from the outskirts of Hoylake. We're getting yeah. closer. Um, Cliff Williams from ACDC grew up in Hoylake. Um, right. On the downside, you've got that tedious sexist twat, Miles Kane. Mm. I would say the Coral are good wolves. Um, on yeah. the whole, they were a best-case scenario version of capital T-S-O-T, this sort of thing. Mm. Northern guitar-based indie rock of the noughties. At their best, they almost had an SFA thing going on, actually. Um, Dreaming of You was brilliant, I thought. Um, In the Morning has got that twinkly daytime radio feel, like Dancing in the Moonlight, but Top Loader, which I like, despite myself uh, i know i know i'm sorry i'm gonna yeah i'm never gonna it's your favorite down. track on cooking isn't it Simon? yeah yeah i'm cooking the jamie oliver compilation oh my <laughs> god yeah <laughs> and and the coral's first album that sell title one really good uh, it's got like elements of sea shanties and hispanic folk mixed in there with mm. all the more predictable uh 60s psychedelia and and um oh by the way i sat with the coral at an award ceremony once uh Ooh. for some reason the enemy awards for some reason i was stuck on the same table as them but you know they were nice guys with they they, they kept uh, leaving the table in ones and twos and coming back with a certain chaotic energy about them uh, <laughs> and so, um there were fucking loads of them at one point i think there were seven members of the coral <laughs> um but i've i've been skating around talking about this actual song because it's very slight, I think. Mm. I was stunned mm. to learn that this is their biggest hit. I mean, why? Yeah. I, I can only put it down to this certain kind of mathematical momentum of, of their rise. Because their first five singles went 180, 21, 13, 10, and 5. Mm. And, and the album, um, as you say, was you know, got to number one, um, that this is from. And it's as if the whole thing had just been decided by forces bigger than us you know it was yeah. just sort of all heading that way because mm-hmm. this song it's yeah it's just i i couldn't have sung it if you pointed a gun at my head there is a certain scousy thing to them in that james skelly is exactly the same haircut as lee mavers from the lars yeah. and i even did a compare contrast i found the lars on top of the pops and um uh you know Lee from the Lars is wearing a round neck jumper and baggy jeans exactly the same as James Skelly. Right. The only difference is one of them's got a tambourine, one of them's got a guitar. By this time, if you're the lead singer of a Lancashire band, you've got to have a tambourine with you. That's the law. Have a tambourine, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I, I thought, well, okay, maybe I'm missing something here. So I looked in the lyrics and it goes, every day I recognise what's deceased and what's alive, but don't repeat what I just said until gold has turned to lead. Then all the tales will be told whilst you and I are in the cold. But don't think this is the end because it's just begun, my friend. And when it's done and all this is gone, just find the feeling, mm. pass it on. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's just a vague. I mean, there's that reverse alchemy thing mm. of gold turning to lead, but it's just a sort of vague, very vague feeling of everything going wrong. Um, somebody, on, I don't know if you ever go on the website yeah. Song Meanings, but oh, yeah. somebody on there reckoned it's about STDs, which <laughs> made me laugh. <laughs> Pass it on. But um, I prefer I prefer to interpret it. You know, there's that child childish way of uh, whispering a rumor in school and yes. say pass it on. You know, like. Darren Grimes had a crafty wank in class. Pass it on. (laughs) That kind of thing. Oh, man. The thing about that is that, um, obviously, there were enemy cover stars this week. And I think this was a thing that the enemy did. They were always, always trying to nail down the next big songwriting guitar genius and slap them on the cover as quick as they could and go, this is your next big song, until people kind of cottoned to it, I think, and went, really? Mm. Yeah. but that was definitely a thing, and I think it, it, it may not have done them any favours. No. It's nice, this. It's inoffensive. It, yeah, it's pleasant it's, enough, it's, isn't it? It's kind of a... It's a bit of a nothing tune. Weirdly, I think the chorus is pleasant, and the verse really, really, like, grated on me for some reason. Mm. And and the fact that there's no bridge as well. It's like, just bung a bridge in there. Yeah. It's missing your bridge, mate. But, um, you know, they don't have they don't have to put a bridge in, but it just seemed a bit sudden. Or a tunnel, at least, you know. Yeah. It's just something. Mm. It kind of goes back to that whole sound arising from place. Yeah. And they have definitely turned towards Liverpool and kind of lent into that. Yeah. But it's not completely lazy. Obviously, there's a million bands that have come from there that have completely coasted on that. Yeah. If you come from somewhere that has such such a, a heritage, you, you kind of don't have to be good. You just have to be confident. Mm. You just have to go, yeah, and and for wait for somebody, you know, to go, yeah, that sound is is what we want on our label right now, mm. um, and they are shooting for for timelessness as well. Yeah, that's the thing is that it does sound kind of slightly out of time. It doesn't sound distinctively two thousand and three, but it isn't like a really wincy throwback either. No, um, a dreaming of you, which is better than this, definitely. Um, Pete Doherty claims to have written that and sold it to them for. I don't know, a sake. bag of something. A massive breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to that cafe. It's have really you? good. He wasn't there at the time, unfortunately. Yes, it is a nice it is a nice gaff and they have proper sauce. You didn't do the challenge. I though. did not I did not undertake the Pete Doherty challenges, I guess it is now called. <laughs> Listen to a baby's shambled single without throwing up your breakfast. <laughs> Oh, I tell you what though, I bet that was a that was a fucking cheat though, because you know Pete Doherty has got a he's got like a, an Alaskan Malamute or a husky, a right. large dog. Right. That and I'm I'm sure oh. you could just pass half the bacon under the uh, <laughs> under the table to the dog. The thing that this reminded me most of actually is Dodgy, right? Who were you know the kind of Britpop mm. adjacent dorks who were extremely uncool but actually pretty good at songwriting. Mm. They're more like that than cast, which is better. Mm. The presentation of it, it's a step down from Super Furry Animals, isn't it? They've got the video screens up again, but it's like really thin transmissions of their video for this song. You know when someone films some uh, for the news and they've got the phone cameras upward? Yeah, the orientation's wrong. Yeah, yeah. And you're just there, sat at home going, oh, you stupid cunt, turn your phone round. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you? I do give them credit because they are, um, as I'm sure you're going to mention, they're still going. And um, yes. I was slightly surprised, but quite quite pleased to find. Um, and they were quite freaked out by how big they got, how quickly, and they, mm. d- which I'm sure is mm. the, which obviously is the experience of a lot of a lot of artists. 
And it's got to yeah. be a, a huge head fuck. It's going to be really difficult. And um, James Skelly yeah. said that um, what they couldn't deal with was the uh, how other people project their idea of you onto you. And then mm. that's that's who you are. And so then you have to sort of yeah. go back and reclaim who you think you are. And so they sort yeah. of did that. And their most recent album is a, a double... They just put... Fair dues to them. They just put out a double album about an imaginary decaying seaside resort. Mm. And it's very it's, it's very soft and very gentle psychedelia. It's, it sounds like people who used to smoke a lot of weed, yeah. but then knocked it on the head because it was making them go a bit wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I respect the fact that they are still they are still at it and they're doing it on their own terms. Well, I mean, a band like this in 2003, if they can get about, I don't know, 10,000 people to go out and buy their new single at the same time, they're in the top 10. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if you've just been on the cover of the NME, that's going to be easy to, to get, isn't it? And then within that world, you're suddenly a big deal and you're yes. potentially a festival headliner. Yes. And then it just it can spiral. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But the problem is you've got to keep it up. I think they, they kind of just went, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do the other thing. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people would be better off for doing that. But because that you have to resist a lot of pressure, because then once other people are counting on you to make them money, yeah, then it's, it's very difficult. Yeah, but, but luckily for them, they're an indie band on an actual indie label, so they've yeah, they've got the best of both worlds. Aren't they're they? calling the shots in yeah. a way. Yeah, good on them. They are playing uh, the the Shine on Weekender in November, right. by the way, okay. along with the likes of. Um, just check this out for see if this makes your brain twang at all. Glass Vegas, Pigeon Detective. Oh fucking hell. <laughs> Cast Republica, Dub Pistols, Ned's Atomic Dustbin, oh. Goldie Looking Chain, Bentley Rhythm Ace, Peter Hook and his amazing Peter Hook band, oh. um, Sunscream. Oh. You, what was their thing? I don't know. Anyway, Black Grape, Alison Limerick. Oh, look, a woman. Oh, no, Republica is, is two women. Um, 808 State and The Farm. I would go and watch Glass Vegas and Goldie Looking Chain out of those, but very little I, else. I would go and see 808 State and maybe The Coral. I'd go and see The Coral. Yeah. So the following week, Pass It On dropped 11 places to number 16. The follow-up, Secret Kiss, only got to number 25 in October of this year, and they'd have to wait until 2005 for their next and last top 10 hit, when In The Morning got to number 6 in May of that year. But they only had one more top 40 hit in them, even though they're still going, and their most recent LP, Coral Island got to number two in May of this year. Hi, I'm Wes, and here is this week's official Top of the Pops Top 20. 20's Escort 8, Fool No More. 19, Delta Goodrum, Lost Without You. Pump It Up's at 18, Joe Budden. 17's Can't Get It Back from Mystique. 21 Questions at 16 from 50 Cent. 15's Madonna, Hollywood. New at 14, James Addiction, Just Because. New again at 13, Golden Retriever from the Super Furry Animals. Ignition Remix at 12 from R. Kelly. M&M's at 11, Business. At 10, Flying the Wings of Love from XDM and DJ Shucky. 9's the Fast Food Song from the Fast Food Rockers. Javine's at 8, Real Things. New at 7, Invisible. From D side. Six is Feel Good Time from Pink featuring William Orbit. Five's a new entry, Pass It On from The Coral. Four's Bring It to Life from Evanescence. Wayne Wins at three, No Letting Go. And the highest new entry at number two goes to Benny Badassi, presents The Biz and Satisfaction. And don't forget to check out the new chart this Sunday with me on Radio One. That was the chart, that was Top of the Pops. I'm Liz Bonin. I'm Fern Crossan. Do you know, I don't think I can remember a time when this lady wasn't at number one. I know, a big well done to the booty-shaking Beyonce Knowles. See yeah. ya. Yes! Ah! So crazy right now. 
After a ridiculously fast top 20 rundown from Wes Butters ended in a plug for his chart rundown on Sunday, Cotton and Bonnie muse upon the longevity of this week's number one and they do some appallingly workmanlike arse-shaking as the camera zooms in on a repeat of the Top of the Pops performance of this week's number one, Crazy in Love by Beyoncé. Born in Houston in 1981, Beyoncé Knowles began her music career at the age of seven when she won a school talent contest singing Imagine by John Lennon and beating out contestants twice her age. A year later, she auditioned with her schoolmate Kelly Rowland for a spot on a local group called Girls' Time and they both landed the gig, playing around the Houston talent show area and eventually being entered in Star Search, the American talent show which also broadcasts the first nationwide appearances of Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, Justin Timberlake, Christina Aguilera, Tiffany and Usher. Although they didn't win, they kept going, and in 1995, Beyoncé's dad packed in his job to manage the group, trimming it down to four and getting them support slots for assorted female R&B groups, and a year later, they landed a record deal with Columbia and changed their name to Destiny's Child. They made the first dent on the UK charts in 1998, when No 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 entered the chart at number 5, sparking a run of 8 top 10 hits over here, including number 1s with Independent Woman in December of 2000 and Survivor in April of 2001. Round about the same time, it was announced that Destiny's Child would have a break so the three remaining members could embark on solo careers and dabble in films and whatnot, with Knowles becoming the most successful of the trio. This is the follow-up to Work It Out, which got to number 7 in July of 2002. It's the lead-off single from her debut LP Dangerously in Love, which came out last month, and leans hard on a sample of the 1970 Chilight single Are You My Woman, and includes some rap from her knockoff Jay-Z, repaying the favour she did on his last single, O3 Bonnie and Clyde. It entered the chart at number one two weeks ago. This is its third week upon the summit of Mount Pop, and here's the repeat of her performance on the main stage earlier this month. That um, chart countdown from Wes Butters, um, when he goes at the start, higher, I'm Wes. I mean, I'm just mm. thinking, who the fuck? Because yeah. I'm, yeah, I didn't know who he was. Um, turns yeah. out, yeah, Wes Butters, um, who was presenting the chart on Radio One at that point, and um, yeah. uh, obviously he's missing a trick by not having a jingle that goes, "Everyone knows it's Butters. That's me." Um, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, um, where the wife comes from and when the wife comes from, which is Croydon and the nineties, um, <laughs> Butters means ugly or disgusting. So. He must have had a tough time in the public eye. I can only imagine. Um, But the thing that struck me about the countdown, because you see tiny little video clips, almost sort of GIF-length clips of each song, um, only three of them are not Top of the Pops footage, which was Jane's Addiction, um, something called XTM, which is a dance thing I'd never heard of as a cartoony video, and R. Kelly, which, you know, all things considered, it's for the best that he wasn't in the studio. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't be talking about this episode. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just thought that, the fact that 17 out of 20 are from this sort of um, Ikea Top of the Pops footage just go to show how well Cowie's system is working at this point it's just it's on a roll isn't it they've just got this Mm. constant production line of content so yeah and they're massive stars as well you know you've got Madonna in there and Eminem and 
you know, all right, um, S Club Eight, but um, and uh, <laughs> no, no proper big stars like Fifty Cent and so on, and um, and and Pink, and uh, yeah, yeah, clearly um, Cowie's whole thing is it's it's a machine that's sort of well oiled by this point i would yeah. say but it does make it like i said before it does make it all quite samey and it's quite self-congratulatory yeah. as well isn't it it's like look at all yes. the people we've had it's like yeah yeah we know yeah they're, they're sort of trying to co-opt pop it's like this is the one <laughs> your one-stop pop shop yeah. and you know just it's 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 a bit samey but this fucking song jesus I mean, it's a, it's a toss-up between this and Hey Y'all for the best single of the century so far, I contend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's this. Um, right. And I mean, this is, it's it's an important moment as well, really, just in, in all kinds of ways. Um, which, you know, for one of those, you know, you look up the, the story of it and it's one of those things that almost didn't happen. Mm. Hungover producer was instructed to just knock it out in a, a couple of hours. <laughs> and right? uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, she wasn't keen on the horns in the first instance because it didn't, no, no one else was doing it. You know, it seemed a little bit too retro. It's like, no, that was absolutely the right call. But obviously we have to mention the choreography because the thing Mm. is that since the dawn of pop culture in, I don't know, let's say 1957, um, arses had been shaken (laughs) left to right, to and fro. And as of 2003, when Beyonce dropped the video of of Crazy in Love and, and performed it about the place... The world understood that it was possible for arses to go up and down. Yes. It was the birth of arse longitude. Mm. She single-handedly ushered in the arsthropocene. <laughs> this is a, a, an announcement of, of a lot of things. This is a real watershed. And it's incredible, really, that it is pre-the watershed on top of the pops. Mm. This is it's so far beyond any sort of stab at sexiness that has happened mm. in this episode thus far. Yeah. And it, it's it's yeah. an important it's a real declaration that this is gonna be the most important pop star of her generation. And you can see that now. Yes. This is the track that we'll remember when we're old and we think yes. about these things. This is it. You brought us round to the subject of arses, Sarah. So let's Oh, you got to get, get it you got to get it. Yeah, let's get it out of the way. There, there was a lot more gratuitous arse shots in the uh, Benny Benassi thing. And Beyoncé's got jeans on, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. She could have sackcloth on and it's still big. My god, look at that woman. Yeah, fucking You're also getting arse shots in the Star Bar, let's not forget. Yes. Cotton and Bonin <laughs> yes. doing a bit of comedy booty shaking there with a the camera yeah. zooming in on them while they're yeah, letting us know it's been number 1 forever. Cool. Yeah very poor yeah it's, it's a bit of a pro-am tournament this isn't it yeah yes. oh bless them though <laughs> yeah it's 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 nice to it's nice to see them getting into the spirit of the thing um but also going yeah. left to, left to right still because you know this is it takes a while were, it takes they? a while for the world to catch up when when something like this happens even if it's happening right you're in right they hadn't got the memo it's so magnificent it's like a whale breaching on you know and you're, <laughs> yeah. oh my god just the awe you know, you, you just you don't get over it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are four other women on the stage, legging and coing it. Mm. But it might as well be me, Simon, Taylor, and Neil up there doing the mud rocker because it doesn't make a blind bit of difference. You're not yeah. looking at them; you're looking at her. They're the backing asses. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but it's important. Like it would look, it would be too much if it was just her. So you know, mm. it's good that they are there as a team. You know, doing yeah. doing it together, and she's she sort of carried that idea through 
they, they've been sort of tinkering with this over the years. I don't know if you've seen the Coachella performance from, from 2018. She's got like 50 or 100 dancers and horn players. Wow. And just really messing with the format. They slow it down, they speed it up, it's thrown in samples and stuff. It's absolutely staggering. And it really shows her inventiveness and her, yeah. her desire to, to keep pushing it. But also then you can go right back to this. And it's perfect. It's just such Mm. a perfect thing. And what I was saying before about music being made to kind of evoke the video, so the video becomes more important. And this isn't like that, but there's a perfect dovetail of the imagery from the video and and the choreography and the song. The song would still be great without the video, but Mm. it's just one of the big moments in in mainstream pop culture, the whole thing. I saw Destiny's Child play a skate park in Labrick Grove once. This was um, the Notting Hill Carnival of whatever year it was that I guess No, No, No by Destiny's Child was in the charts, which I thought was amazing, by the way. It had this real kind of almost Paisley Parkish psychedelic feel to it, No, No, No. And Mm. um, yeah, I thought a lot of Destiny's Child stuff was just lovely. Um, And they were there in this fucking skate park as part of the Notting Hill Carnival. And they were all wearing just sort of double denim outfits and doing a sort of PA on on top of one of the kind of moundy bits of a skate park. And um, at at that point, there was no real indication that this one, Beyonce, was going to go on to be this, you know, obvious massive star. Um, Mm. Except, I guess, if you knew what was going on behind the scenes and you knew that her dad was basically determining their career then you could have predicted yeah. it but just just to look at they were very much a group but by this point we're seeing on top of the pops she is totally dominant she is yes. you know a world star on top of the fucking world she's yeah. radiantly beautiful um mm. yeah she's got those silvery jeans on and the crop top and um we are getting a bit of builder's ass crack there at times which would have been more appropriate for benny benassi it's like she's hitting back at them for stealing her ass shaking thunder yes one thing that really impressed me she's in these massive stilettos right and she she drops she's in these massive stilettos dancing about and she drops to her knees for a bit of wailing and then Mm. she gets up again without using hands singing at the same time and it is live i'm I'm pretty sure it's live because her vocal her vocal's a bit off at times but not too bad you know she Um, does a lot of ad-libbing towards the end which is really thrilling yeah she's singing over back in tapes there's a bit during jay-z's bit where she just does yeah. this little grin at the camera and pokes her tongue out slightly, yeah. like, yeah, I know I'm amazing and I'm smashing this, you know? Yes. <laughs> Some rap uh, in this case was provided by Jay-Z, who, and apparently it was written and recorded in 10 minutes, and to my mind it sounds like he was out having a shit for at least eight of them because it's his usual tedious gibberish. <laughs> you know, he's got loads of money, he's dead good, he's a star like Ringo, he's mad, he, he's cut from a different cloth, his texture is the best fur like chinchilla, etc, etc. Et oh, I don't know, I quite Just, like the line, stick bony no. but the pocket is fat like Tony Soprano. Yeah. And I've been iller than chain smokers. I, I quite like that. Nah, nah. <laughs> he was the first big rapper that I didn't reckon when he came out it was around the time when hip-hop had started devouring itself and he was just basically sampling old hip-hop tunes well he was sampling fucking annie wasn't he um yeah yeah. which i quite liked i like hard knock life but but i mean by this time he's one of the few rappers who can actually afford to clear samples so it's like yeah he's no good there was a lot of kerfuffle around this time that when it was announced that he name-checked david beckham in a forthcoming tune 
and, you know, cue lots of discussion in the papers about how football was really seeping into the American consciousness. Yeah. But then it, it turned out he only mentioned it because of the Rockefeller connection with Victoria Beckham. And he was looking for something to rhyme with, Evisu covers my rectum. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, I mean, usually you get some rapping to pep up a single and make it funky. But this, to my mind, this just gets in the way of everything. It, it's the wet tea towel of landfill rap thrown over the glorious chip pan fire of R&B. I don't know. It's like you're having a conversation with this brilliant woman and you, you're really interested in her <laughs> and then all of a sudden her fucking boyfriend doesn't like it and he has to stick his oar in and it's like, no mate, I'm not trying to cop off with your girlfriend. I just find her more interesting than you. Mm. At the very least, you, you could have said, oh yeah, yeah, you see her there, this brilliant woman, I'm going out with her. <laughs> yeah, You know, it doesn't take that long to rhyme Beyonce with soon she's going to be my fiance <laughs> fucking you rappers that I shit them I, I, it's supposed to be like I know it was a last minute addition and everything but that's not it's it's fucking rap you know isn't this the soul yeah. of spontaneity and you know it's like she's yeah. right there she's right there and he's not he's not bothered to turn up has he <laughs> to be fair I mean he does do a, an excellent hype job at the start most incredibly it's your girl B which is obviously yes. what I want to hear when I come into mm. a room in yeah. massive heels. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Next time we go out for a drink, Sarah, but I'll I'll make sure I get in the pub early Aww. and I'll shout that as soon as I see you in the windows. Excellent. <laughs> and just make sure everyone is quiet as well by the time. Well, I won't have heels on. No, though, there will be by the time I'm finished. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but yeah, so so that's a good, you know, strong start there. But then he just kind of in the middle. It's like he just lapses into navel gazing, you know, about yeah. about his own skills. Which I am now calling into question. Yeah. You know. I'm surprised he didn't slag off D-side as well. Yeah. Get another <laughs> lick in on those poor lads. <laughs> I don't know. I think it provides a little bit of a bridge and a little bit of kind of, it builds up the anticipation for when she's going to come back in. Because you know she's coming back here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think yeah, it, it yeah. has a function in the record, that, that bit of some rap. In terms <laughs> That's of him, what it's for. In terms of him being able to clear samples because he can afford it sure um but he didn't produce this let's not forget it's rich harrison mm. who yeah. i mean i've mentioned um pharrell and timberland earlier on in this episode as being the the two guys who are really running american pop particularly uh, black american pop at this time yeah but rich harrison isn't one of those top guys he did go on to produce one thing by amory which is amazing oh that's the yeah. other great tune of this time mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah but this yeah. record if he'd only done this in his career who cares because it's just phenomenal yeah. It's one of those ones. I would also put Can't Get You Out of My Head by Kylie and Bad Romance by Lady Gaga in this category that I can just remember mm. exactly where I was when I first heard it. And I'm like, yeah. fucking hell. Yeah. You know, what is yeah. this? And it's not just a matter of lazily whacking a, a, a well-known um, sample over the top because the little bit of brass from that Chai Lights record, it, it doesn't even dominate the Chai Lights record. If you, if you play no. that Chai Lights record, you're kind of disappointed that that yeah. bit of brass isn't happening all the way through. It's just one little bit of it. So that's a good find from the producer. Yeah. I remember being slightly confused by the lyrics at the time because being a big Liverpool fan, I was convinced she was singing Sammy Hoopy is crazy right now. Um, <laughs> but she's actually going, got me hoping you'll page me right now. She's obsessed with pages because um, mm. Bugaboo, right? Bugaboo by Destiny's Child. That's 1999. Uh, you make me want to throw my pager out the window, right? Yeah. In 1999, you can imagine, yeah, pages were still a thing. 2003, yeah. she's going on about pages. I, yeah, it's weird. On, yeah, surely pages are gone by now. But yeah, well, this is this is the 3G era, isn't it? Yeah. 
I think paramedics and stuff still, uh, doctors still had them, but, you know. Uh, um, yeah. She's a doctor of pop of, and of arse shaking. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great, though, because um, yeah. the, the horns actually sound like Beyonce coming towards you. <laughs> yes. That's what that means now. Here I fucking come in my heels. If she was a wrestler, that'd be her entrance music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it really like the smashing a glass for Steve Austin. <laughs> I think it is like it is one of those kind of happy accents where everything just kind of came together in the most brilliant way. Yeah. If they'd intended that, it wouldn't have worked. But because they didn't, it's just it's just naturally, you know. But um, speaking mm. of Jay Z, I mean, I don't think much of it as itself, but I can't imagine the track without it at this point. So, right. but I wrote the guidebook for um, you know those kind of big orchestra plays pop hits events that you have a lot of these days. There was one of those at the Royal Albert Hall and I wrote yeah. the guidebook for it. Oh, yeah. So just like a little bit on each. And one of the tracks right. was um, Crazy in Love. Yeah. I didn't go to the event in there, actually, but I uh, kind of wish I had. I didn't put this, but it really amused me to think of putting, you know, featuring her partner Jay-Z, a star in his own right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> that would have been... Uh, yeah, I just thought, no, I'll just leave that out. I'll, I'll, um, I'll let him off this time. And the thing is, I, I, I heard uh, Alicia Keys' um, version of Empire State of Mind that hasn't got him on it, and it's just not as good. Right. So I don't know mm-hmm. what to do with that. Right. You know, you might think he's just splurging his sort of lumpen, fairly useless rap all over things, but yeah, maybe it's just what you're used to. But when I heard the Alicia Keys track without him on it, I thought, eh, yeah. yeah, I'm not saying there shouldn't be some rap on it, but just get a better yeah. rapper in. Imagine Q-Tip on this. What would Q-Tip have oh, done? Oh, well, there you go. Fucking hell. But Crazy in Love's just a fucking monster. It's a juggernaut, isn't it? It's just, it's one of those yes. things, it cannot be resisted. If you're in its path, you're fucked. You know, it bends yes. you to its will. I mean, I can understand, yeah. especially after all these years, I can understand someone feeling they've heard it too many times, right? No, no such but thing. But if anyone said they didn't like this record, I just wouldn't trust them. It doesn't compute yeah. for me. You could not like yeah. it. Yeah, there's, there's something a bit off if if you don't feel any feelings for it at all. Not all of this stuff, you know, can stand up next to this in by, by, by no. any means. I mean, the sexual politics of single ladies, I mean, don't even fucking start me on that, you know. And no. I, I know I know um, uh, people think very highly of her Lemonade album and stuff. She, You know, she, she's done some interesting stuff since. But this just towers, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to my mind, she's a one-hit wonder. <gasps> oh my God. No, she is to me. Come on. Because I've never heard anything else by her. I, c- I couldn't sing you one note of any other song that she's uh, done. High Court needs them. Yeah. <laughs> I could have another you in a minute. Was that her? Yes. Yeah. There you go. Then that's the other thing I know yeah. about. But that's it. That's all I know. <laughs> so about just um, crazy in love, and I could have another you in a minute. <laughs> yes. It doesn't matter what else she's done because she did this. Um, I mean, yeah, she's gone on to do some very sort of. Some very or talking about sexual politics she's there's she's gone on to to really delve into that you know where it's uh, and it's really interesting in the kind of course of her career where it's like marriage is lovely and and men are great and then to go oh shit they uh, they fuck you over and this is what i've got to say about it mm. she's um she's very righteous she's um got to the position of power where she could like have 50 black panthers with her at the fucking super bowl and and pull that off yeah yeah and you know she's very she's very pro black lives matter and you know you don't have to be when you're that big you can you know you can sort of go well it's not for me to say or you can actually go fuck this Mm. and you can stake your claim in that way yeah she's she's important in so many ways and she's a good philanthropist and you know she's done a lot of extremely interesting stuff not all of which is uh, yeah you're not going to throw on lemonade to you know before you go out 
on a Friday night. But, you know, that's it just shows that she's got a kind of breadth and depth of, of you know, interesting stuff going mm. on. But yeah, it always comes back to this. This is just the greatest. Yeah. She's also responsible um, inadvertently for one of my favourite bits of music writing ever when she um, headlined Glastonbury in 2011 and Clive James, of all people, wrote a review of it. I mean, I guess yeah. he was writing a review of the TV coverage rather than the gig, but, you know. And if I can yeah. just read out what he wrote. The whole deal is organised like D-Day, but without the mistakes. It's got everything, except the kind of emotion we would get from Amy Winehouse if she were organised to cross the road successfully. Beyonce and Pathos are strangers. Winehouse and Pathos are flatmates, and you should see the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) I just enjoyed this so much. Like, I teared up a bit watching this because she's so... She's so blazingly brilliant and yeah. and nothing mm. and so beautiful and so sexy and nothing else in this episode even seems to belong to the same planet, does it? Yeah. yeah. I think Beyonce may actually be where human evolution has peaked. <laughs> I think it's all all downhill from her. So the following week, Crazy in Love dropped to number two, usurped by Never Gonna Leave Your Side by Daniel Bedingfield. <laughs> the follow-up. Baby Boy with Sean Paul got to number two in October. A year later, Destiny's Child reunited for the LP Destiny Fulfilled and then split up, leading Knowles to have 31 top 40 hits, four of which would get to number one. Will Beyonce make it four in a row? Or will Daniel Beddingfield, Triple Eight, or the Stereophonics be top of the pops? To find out, and for the best of the rest of the charts, don't miss Top of the Pops, Friday, 7.30, BBC One. We do our very best to give accurate critiques of what we've just seen, and that's what we're going to continue to do. We just have to be slagged by the fellow who did, the fellow who did Fame Academy, who came off stage, and uh, he said that we weren't quite there. But um, we, are, we, are, we are on top of the pop, so what's the We go straight to a voiceover of Bonin and Cotton spoilering next week's episode and begging us to tune in next week. And then we go to a graphic of the word inquest and footage of Park and Grant walking out of the building, <sighs> shilling fame academy oh, again, and then cutting to D-side flouncing down a corridor, telling us that they've just been slagged off by Parks, but they've just been on top of the pop. So what does he know? Yeah. yeah. They've been on top of the pops more, more than, than he you has. Have. Yeah. <laughs> so fuck off. Yeah, properly fuck off. This does remind me a little bit of um, the one time that I did a comment is free for The Guardian. And they the editor made me go into the comments and respond to the comment. Oh, and I, it was so difficult because, you know, the ones that were mean and I responded to them as, you know, and so I told them. And then the editor told me off for telling them off. Oh. It's like, but I have to. It, I was really put in this impossible position, and I didn't want to. Mm. I wanted to just say what I wanted to say, and then fuck off. And I was not allowed yes. to. So it's like and comment it's, is free, yeah. but you can only be free once, and then after that, you've got to be super diplomatic. Nah. <laughs> yes. Comment ain't free. There's a hefty fucking fee, um, and you know, poor D side having to come on again. It's like, oh no, we'll give them a right to reply, and it's like, oh, poor lads. No. You know, because they're sort of going down the step. There's one of them is sort of um, doing this sort of like fake boxy boxy to the camera. Yeah. Yes. And it's like they've been told to like laugh it off in a particular way and just like, oh, but it will be people will think you're great. And it's like, but they just it's like this is no. not what they signed up for at all. 
No. But I do love them for the no. fact that, you know, one of chart music's catchphrases has actually been made real for once. Yeah. <laughs> They've been on top of the pops more than he has. They've, they've manifested it. Yeah. Yeah. What's if you're looking for anyone else, it's us. <laughs> the tattoos have, but I'm holding on. What's up, falling? Get on up. When we're down, baby, shopping. I've got you to kiss goodnight. I've got you to understand. Horrific. <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. Find sorry, out. man, that messes with the D-side. Find out where he lives. <laughs> we cut back to Park and Grunt sitting on a sofa watching pre-recorded footage of randoms outside Television Centre singing very badly and making absolute arses of themselves, which has obviously been collated by the camera crew so Park and Grunt can have something to sneer at. A regular feature of shows like this, isn't it? Look at these twats who think they're summer. Is Top of the Pop self-esteem this low at this point? Yeah. This is so weak. Isn't it? Yeah. The show ends with Ken from D-Side throwing punches at the camera (laughs) and saying it's a sorry man that messes with the D-Side, while his bandmate, Ken from (laughs) D-Side, says, we'll find out where he lives as the camera fades down. And that, Pop Craze Youngsters, closes the book on this episode of Top of the Pops and also closes the book on the reign of Chris Cowan. Because four days later, the BBC recruited Andy Peters over the head of Cowan in a last-ditch attempt to shore up the ratings, which caused Cowan to walk out and Peters to mind the shop in preparation for a massive relaunch in November. Article in The Guardian the following week... The BBC One controller, Lorraine Hegese, even suggested yesterday that Top of the Pops' long-term future on the channel was not secure. It's on BBC One now, but BBC One has to appeal to all of the people some of the time. She conceded that a move to BBC Three was possible, but added, for the moment, it will stay on BBC One. The thing is... Are the charts as valid as they once were? Last Friday's edition attracted, get ready for this, 2.8 million viewers. Far fewer than the 4.5 million who watched the programme when it was relaunched in October 2001. The show has suffered from drastic changes in record buying habits. In the first quarter of this year, the sales of singles by number and value fell by 42%, prompting crisis meetings in the BPI. Fucking hell. Mm. That November relaunch will be covered at some point, but not for a while. because no. it, Let's go back to the distant past. Yeah, there's going to have to be some severe loin girding before we tackle that one. Fucking 18 hell. years ago is way too recent, let's, let's be honest. Okay. I'm sorry, Al, that, that Sarah and I dragged you so close to the present. But, you know. So what's on television afterwards? Well, BBC One kicks on with EastEnders. Then it's the final episode of the second series of My Family. The Robert Lindsay's Zoe Wanamaker sitcom. Then it's a repeat of the final episode of the third series of Alveda's Aim Pet, the one where they reunited after 16 years to relocate a transporter bridge to Arizona. After the news, it's the chat show Patrick Kilty Almost Live, followed by Close to the Edge, the first of three comedy specials featuring Jim Davidson. 2003, everyone. Fucking hell. 
Then it's Boxing from the Sports Village in Norwich, the 2000 murder film Exposure, and they hand over to BBC News 24 at 5 to 3. BBC Two hits us with The Flying Gardener, where Chris Beardshaw gets in a helicopter to look at someone's garden in Herefordshire because the BBC has that much money to piss up the wall. Then they follow that up with Gardener's World, the documentary series Stalin Inside the Terror, Newsnight, Newsnight Review, then the 2000 Australian comedy film The Wog Boy, about a Greek-Australian who suddenly becomes famous, and then they hand over to BBC Learning Zone at 3am. ITV continues with Tonight with Trevor MacDonald, a repeat of A Touch of Frost, where David Jason finds out if someone with Down syndrome has done a murder, then a repeat of The Undertaker docu-soap Don't Drop the Coffin, ITV Weekend News, the 1996 comedy film Joe's Apartment, highlights from today's action in the Tour de France and all the usual nighttime ramble. Channel 4 has just started Grand Slam, the show hosted by James Richardson and Carol Vorderman, where two champions in other TV quizzes face off against each other. Then it's the first part of the grand final of the fourth Big Brother. Then it's Scrubs, then the final part of Big Brother. After V. Graham Norton, it's the last in the present series of Bo Selector, featuring Craig David turning up to have the piss taken out of him and David Snedden. Then it's Today at the Test, Big Brother's Little Brother, and a repeat of tonight's Big Brother, then some Brazilian football. So, me dears, what are we talking about in an empty playground tomorrow because it's Saturday? (laughs) If I was literally still at school, you know, if I was literally 13 or 14, I'd be talking... Murder Dolls, because exciting, mm. and Benny Benassi, because tits and arse. I went to a yes. boys' school. You know. As a grown-up, just wanging on about the genius of super furry animals, probably, mm. and Beyonce. Depending on what age I was, I suppose, I might be pondering the great artistry of, of Beyonce Knowles and the fact that there's nothing else that that woman was put here on this earth to do. What are we buying on Saturday? Crazy in Love. Super Fairy Animals and Beyonce and maybe Benny Benassi. And what does this episode tell us about July of 2003? It's a load of arse. Now, what it tells us is that some things never change um, from 1973 to 2003. If you want to stand out, either have tits and arse if you're women or wear a mad costume if you're a bunch of guys. I don't make the rules. Chris Cowie does. And what would you have done to rescue Top of the Pops? Or or is it too late? It would have been good to just go kind of back to basics with, in terms of like, get the best people that who are going to do the most interesting stuff live. And then mm. just the best videos. You know, the whole, the mm. whole uh, let's not have any videos anymore thing is, is death, I think. Just like one or maybe two, you know, you don't even have to show the whole thing, but just yeah. that's been part of it for so long and I, I think it was a mistake to get rid of it. So, but yeah, just get the best people in who, not necessarily the, you know, the best singers or the best dancers or the people who can make their ass go a different way to how asses have always gone. But although <laughs> obviously, ideally, that's what you want. Just uh, the greatest range that you can display, which, there, you know, there is some of that in evidence here, but um, just... Just really double down on that. Mm. I would scrap the star bar. Yeah. Yes, I would uh, allow more videos and just have much more of the studio audience and much more of the presenters being in amongst it so that Mm. it feels like 
a party you've been invited to, not one that you haven't. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I came to this episode pretty much stone cold, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. If this was a new BBC One music show, mm. you'd look at it and go, well, this is all right, actually. There's, some, there's been some interesting bands and singers on and everything. I, I, I'm coming away from it feeling I've got a handle on what's happening music-wise at the moment. But th- here's the problem. It's not a music show. It's top of the fucking pops. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, of course, is to uh, keep a bit of suspense in it. Yes. You yeah. Know, I love the whizzy, suspenseful countdown at the end. You know, there was a period kind of, you know, in the 80s where they absolutely nailed that. And it's like, I don't know yes. what, you know, stay tuned for some good stuff that you can trust us will be good. Yeah. You know, run yeah. with that. Like, yeah. you're supposed to be able to trust. There's a certain degree of like, when you turn on Top of the Pops, it's like, you're going to have, there'll be some stuff you like, some stuff you don't like, but it's all going to be yeah. worth watching. Yeah. So like, why spaff it all in the first you know, they did it a couple, multiple times as well. Is that weird? It's like, you know, when um, people started to do documentaries in that American style, where yeah. after yeah. every advert, which is like every 20 minutes or something, there's a recap of everything you've just seen. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, oh, as if you're just that. coming into it for the first, it's like, don't fall for that. You know, it's all right to trust people to have an attention span. Yeah. There was a series on Bravo about the band Towers of London, which um, I'm in oh. briefly. Um, and uh, yeah, every episode of that, uh, I think an episode was like maybe 20 minutes long. I swear like 12 minutes of it was recap or throwing forward. And only about eight, if that, that's being generous, was actual program. <laughs> it took them fucking ages to get the whole series out because it, <laughs> it was just inching along you know what I mean and yeah, yeah, yeah it drives me mad yeah, it's a bit like that and that pop craze youngsters is the end of this episode of chart music time for me to do my usual promotional flange www.chart-music.co.uk facebook.com slash chart music reaches on twitter at chart music t-o-t-p money down the g-string patreon.com slash Chart music. Ta very much, Simon Price. You're very welcome. God bless you, Sarah B. Oh, God bless me. My name's Al Needham, and I implore you to make sure you go all round your doings. <laughs> <laughs> Chart music. Great Big I'm Scott Hancock and I host From Queer to Eternity, a new podcast exploring what it means to be queer, where we have conversations like this. I look at younger generations and go, you can just Google this stuff. The fact that the only mention of queerness was don't get AIDS. (laughs) If I'd been marrying a girl, that would not have happened. Maybe we can find a a universality that that we weren't aware of before. That's why this podcast is so great, because actually, I guess we just don't think to speak of this stuff, and yet it's part of our fabric. From Queer to Eternity, available to listen to now from the Great Big Owl Company. Hello all you teddy guys and girls out there. Oh, welcome to the Tweenie Chart Countdown. Today you're going to hear all the Tweenie's favourite songs. And first on stage is Young Milo. He's chosen this number as his favourite song because he likes to move and dance. Tease man, I'm the just ten man, so I can get my... Satisfaction Bait man And agitate man Until I get my Satisfaction Satisfaction I get very excited Wow 
Naughty lady. <laughs> An awful lot I'd like to say about Legs and Co. <laughs> I'm afraid uh, they'll probably bleep me out if I do. Jump on and shake your bits off so I can get my satisfaction. Bed down and shove your drawers off until I get my here are some young ladies I've admired many times in my little armchair at home. 